You are listening to the Grace Bible Podcast, hosted by Pastors Bob Casharo and Stuart McRae. On the pod, we study through books of the Bible and have theological conversations in a laid-back format. On this episode of the podcast, we're joined by Whitney Pipkin to discuss her book that's about to be released, What We Shall All Be Changed, How Facing Death with Loved Ones Transforms Us. Hey, Whitney. Hey. Thanks for joining. You're welcome. Good morning. Hey, this is actually just you and me. Bob is out of state. He's in North Carolina doing classes for counseling. So just you and me and Doug's office. <laughs> and lots of books. And lots of books. But he did some cleaning, so that's really nice. It's, it's wonderful to see his the majority of his desk. I don't think I've seen that since he moved into this office. So that's pretty cool. I can relate. <laughs> Uh, but we were talking earlier about uh, your sweet uh, Jessica Lansbury writing glasses. Oh, yeah. 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 They're pretty special. We're, we're, we're trying to set the scene here <laughs> of, of what this looks like this morning. I have giant blue light plus 1.5 computer glasses so I can see. You got it all going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what happens when you're a professional writer. Sure. Yeah. When you get migraines. <laughs> More like it. Well, no, seriously, I'm... I, we've had this plan for a couple of weeks, uh, and I'm super excited. This has been um, personally really wonderful mm. to w- see you kind of walk through this, uh, getting to read the th- different parts of it throughout, mm-hmm. um, because I'm sure as we, we're going to talk here, some of our stories intertwine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but really excited here to talk about your your book that you've got coming out uh, very, very soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. February 6th, but February we'll have 6th. a party here the 4th. The 4th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to say something again at the end. But yeah, uh, if you are local or you're able to come in on Sunday the 4th after the 1030 uh, worship gathering mm-hmm. uh, in the worship center, we're going to have a celebration. Uh, we're going to get to hear you talk about the, the book some, get to engage. Uh, you're going to field questions. Yeah. Field questions. There's going to be copies uh, to be able to be purchased. Yes. And uh, it's just going to be a wonderful time celebrating God's faithfulness and yeah. bringing this book to fruition. Yes. I'm, I'm excited to celebrate with my church family and maybe I'll read the acknowledgments and weep publicly. <laughs> and thanks for all the support from my church. So Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Well, uh, let me jump right in. Let's, let's start off with an easy one. Uh, what's the main idea of your book? Yeah, so <clears throat> it's about what it's like to face death with loved ones. So many of us uh, really try to avoid death until we absolutely can't anymore. You know, a funeral happens or something happens in our sphere. And uh, we're, we're left thinking about something we haven't spent much time preparing for. So really this book is walking through my story of walking with my mom through her cancer for 20 years, you know, from when I was in the seventh grade is when she was diagnosed. And then she died in 2020. And this thing I had been kind of running from a lot of those years, um, compartmentalizing, avoiding to kind of get through my own life. Um, when I turned to face when the loss actually happened, when the thing I was so afraid of actually happened, I was really surprised by God's presence (laughs) that, the one who says he will be near in the valley of the shadow of death, uh, that he'll be with you, really means it and really is present in a unique way. Um, and I I wanted to testify to what I had witnessed um, 
we were with her, you know, those, her last five days and saw a really condensed version of what that process looks like and how God, God's design woven even into the fall and sin and death, the way that he provides for people and the way that he shows up in our weakness. Um, yeah, the thing I keep thinking about is that for whatever reason, God, when we're saved, um, he doesn't just like snatch us up to heaven right away, but he, his design is that we would go through death and that that would be part of our sanctification. And so when we get to walk with others, there's a way in which that prepares us for one of the big components of our own sanctification, going through our own death, most likely if Christ tarries. And so we're, we're missing out when we don't show up for these opportunities to try on what we believe at the bedside of those we love um, or whatever that looks like for people. But I really saw, oh, this is, I was supposed to be here and we should have all been here in various ways and learning through these rhythms of life around us so that we can be prepared to face death with the fullness of the hope we have in Christ. Yeah, that's good. Um, you, you kind of spoke to it some there, but can you speak a little bit more to, I, I guess, inspiration of the book, but if, mm-hmm. if, if you say it differently, um, w- w- why this book? There's lots mm-hmm. of books on yeah. death in mm-hmm. sort of the Christian publishing mm-hmm. world. Why this particular book? Yeah. I, so they say to write the book you were looking for and couldn't find. I, I remember I, I really like to pre-grieve. I'm kind of a pre-processor. And in those months, like I would like to cry on my terms and not someone else's, you know. Um, in those months leading up to where, okay, my mom is definitely, we've been, I think this is not the chemo talking. Her body is shutting down. Like she's, we're in this final stage. I just was grasping for resources that would give me um, a little bit of a lamplight into the future of what is this going to look like? Like, how does this even literally happen? Um, And how on earth, like, what should I even hope or pray for? Um, And the spirit really did looking back, um, you know, I prayed for a good ending. I really had a desire for, this to go well, despite my mom not wanting to die, wanting to fight until the like last minute. Um, but I desire started to grow in me to, to be there and to cast a vision for a good ending um, to a good life. Um, even though it was too soon, even though it wasn't what any of us wanted. Yeah. And I didn't see much out there that, you know, how could this be good? Like, how could God be near? How can you make this pivot from fighting, you know, our, culture really has this image of fighting cancer and beating cancer. But what, mm-hmm. what do you Ring say when, when that you, what, how do you switch gears into, you know, pressing into your Christian hope? And this is our, our fight is, is partially with death, but ultimately it's a defeated foe. And so we can rest in Christ when that pivot happens. And right. um, it's no longer about that type of earthly victory. Um, so I just, it, it was really, I think the people I wrote it for first and foremost, you know, like anybody is your, your friends, like my mm-hmm. friends that I haven't lost parents yet. Um, and I think it, like any theology of suffering, I see theology of death as like a subcategory of a general theology of suffering yep. really helps to have it in your back pocket before you're in the middle of it. Yep. And um, to really have categories for what's happening. Um, so you're not just totally surprised. I mean, Paul says in his letters, like, do not be surprised about this, this and this. 
I think this is another area I, I would love to see people not be surprised by um, just kind of some of the details of how God shows up in this process. That's what I wanted to testify to. Yeah. Uh, but also, I just, yeah, it's I, I was picking up these breadcrumbs from my own experience and wanting to throw them back to others to just pick up some of the themes of how God shows up in this process. Yeah. But also, of course, uh, the people that will probably gravitate toward it are people who have been through it and haven't categorized what they experienced, haven't processed it. Sure. Um, so that could be years ago or more recent. But I'd love for people to uh, read it as a in preparation, in preparation for what they will absolutely go through, which is losing loved ones. And so that they might not be surprised, but it's interesting, right? Because I guess death's the last enemy and mm -hmm. there's still something sort of unsettling and shocking. What, yeah. what kind of surprised you by mm -hmm. death? Yeah, this is where like Doug was really helpful. I remember reaching out on Slack the last couple days um, with mom when it became clear things were, you know, we had called in hospice, that sort of thing. Right. And Doug had kind of providentially said um, as a PS, like debt, just by the way, um, death is still an enemy. And so don't be surprised to see your loved one kind of fight against death. That doesn't mean that there's not hope on the other side, but that <clears throat> our bodies intuitively fight death. You know, you throw a person in the water yep. and w even if they don't want to live anymore, they're going to start swimming. They want, you know, we, our bodies fight death. Right. And so there's a way in which that came true that day that I was more prepared for because he had said that. <laughs> so I could categorize, oh, this like terminal restlessness is the term when someone's like grasping for air and kind of physically fighting death. Mm -hmm. uh, that is her, a, a fight against the great enemy of death. Um, yeah. And it doesn't mean that there's not hope. It just means that this is what humans do because you know, we were made to live forever. We were made in God's image. And so death is an affront to our, that part of us, um, yeah. the part of us that's made for eternity. Um, and yet, you know, we can kind of develop these buckets. At one point in the book, I think in the second chapter, I zoom out and do like a theology of death that's mm -hmm. like creation, fall, redemption, consummation, mm -hmm. and make these buckets for us to put these things in. <laughs> so then, you know, then we can have, okay, we are made to live forever. That's why we fight death but because we're christians we know that we cannot expect to zoom past death because we have a savior who died <laughs> and rose again but who died who went yeah. through death right and right. so our way of salvation will also most likely be through death yep. through following in his literal footsteps in that and so we get to experience a fellowshipping with him in death that is really really unique um and really part like a really sweet part of the Christian life, I think, that so many Christians miss out on. Uh, the statistics show that people of faith um, who have hope in the afterlife are more likely than those who don't to take uh, to extend their life to the bleeding edge of necessity in, in an ICU, for example. Yep. So because they kind of misconstrue, oh, we're pro-life, I need to kind of milk every minute and that's going to be, instead of, being able, and that's where I think hospice is helpful to discern what's happening with the body and to join in the timeline that's unfolding mm -hmm. instead of fighting against it. And that's really personal. I mean, if anybody's making those decisions, there's a book by Catherine Butler called Between Life and Death. She's an ICU doctor 
and Christian. And she talks through like practically how to make choices about ventilators and things like that. Mm, okay. And that's really helpful, but it's not as like black and white as we want it to be. It's right. really nuanced. It's really intimate. And, uh, we, those are also things that we can be pr- more prepared to decide and to think through because we have hope on yeah. the other side, that's we right. can face death with, with hope and certainty. Yep. Yep. Hmm. So, uh, Yesterday, <clears throat> I was reviewing. Um, I don't know. You gave us a Doug and I a, a PDF. Yeah. Copy. Early uh, copy. Yeah. You guys endorsed it. You're yeah, in the well, book. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I was reviewing that yesterday and reviewing some of the things I had highlighted. Um, and uh, in chapter four, uh, fight or flight, you mentioned that um, what it means for us to stay along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if mm-hmm. you say. What we proclaim when we borrow the words of these men in the face of our own fiery trials is a faith that is in God, not in healing. To say even if is an admission that we are fallible, that we may be wrong in our conviction that God will heal and thereby postpone death. Even if, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's theologically mm-hmm. loaded. Can, can you kind of mm-hmm. pull on that some more? Yeah. I, it's so... I, I think what I was running up against a lot of times as I was processing this journey my mom was on was uh, people loved to pray for healing. They loved to, mm-hmm. you know, and then the people that really, really walked with us through those years, like, you know, the Millers and our home group mm-hmm. from the beginning and heard that rhythm of, oh yeah, her, it's, her cancer's in a new organ, but it's fine. She's going to try a new trial. You you really can't keep doing that same <clears throat> Type, your prayers change. Like they change from, okay, Lord, I really believe you're going to heal to, I really believe you're going to be good. I don't know how um, this roller coaster, I've seen you show up in unexpected ways. And so we make this transition to really wanting his will over whatever we envisioned, whatever we thought was best earlier on. Um, so the thing I think of is, yeah, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and also the way that Christ prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. He, he didn't, you know, on some level, he didn't, he was wa- expressing his desire for a different way forward mm-hmm. and fully laying that out mm-hmm. and yet saying, not my will, but yours be done. And we, we definitely get to that point with our loved ones who are facing terminal diagnoses or whatever that looks like aging, just kind of our bodies breaking down where we say, um, where we, we try on God's goodness um, and the outcome we don't want. And that's what the even if moment is. Um, I trust that even if I can't imagine it right now, that you'll be good um, either way. <laughs> and yeah, so. Right. It's, want, the, it's the open hand. Yeah. Right. It's, it's but, the open hand of, of being, um, being bold in your prayers. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, praying for more than you could ask or imagine, but it's, it's the open hand of, no, yeah. I will, but your will be done. Yeah. You're still, you're not, <laughs> it's not like your will be done. I really like this, but your will be done. You don't, you know, it's not this, mm-hmm. you know, you're fully bringing your desire to the Lord. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were just like putting it out there in front of this king when God's name really was on the line. I mean, you could argue God needed to show up or else, right? Sure. In that situation. I got you. Whereas we can't always argue that in our own. Right. And they said, we, but we trust you're going to be glorified in either outcome. Like yeah. whether we burn up or we come out 
I don't think they imagined a man <laughs> like that no looks way, like a son right? of God walking with them in the fire. I don't yeah. think they imagined even how God would show up. Right. But I think their eyes were open to it because of their even F prayer. Sure. They had begun to imagine how God could be good in the unimaginable. And that had opened their eyes. So, gosh, that's what I would want for people when they're walking toward death and something they really didn't want. Yeah. That even if prayer is, you know, help me to be ready to see how you're present in ways that I didn't want. I didn't even want to go through this. Yeah. Um, and isn't that when God shows up when the circumstances that were like, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> that can't possibly be for my good. Yes. And this prayer, I think, opens you up to, okay, um, this is clearly out of my hands as all of life already was. Yep. And how can I, the, the even if just kind of pre- prepares my own heart for imagining God's goodness in, in those circumstances to come. Yes. Yes. That was, thank you. I, I really appreciated that. It just leaped out to me because I, mm-hmm. I think in these moments, there, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, so we're just talking about, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, death, dying, and, and, and praying for healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, God can do that. Yeah. We, it's wonderful. We, we should go to our Heavenly Father with all of these, these, these wants and desires. Um, but even if, mm-hmm. that just, because I, I, th- that is, oh man. Um, yeah, so, so um, my dad died at, uh, exactly a year mm-hmm. after your mom. To the day. <laughs> and uh, um, lots of prayers uh, yeah. for, for healing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lauren and I have gone through many things over the years that have uh, mm-hmm. driven us to the knees of even if, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Because if there's not even yeah. if that that uh, has the open hand of of still believing in and trusting in God's goodness and providence, regardless, um, then it's an ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Is it not? It's really an ultimate. Yeah, you're not if you don't of, do yeah. this, then then we're just done. Yeah. And I, I love what <clears throat> Rowan's tells us about the story of Abraham and Isaac, that Abraham imagined how God could be good, even if Isaac was killed. And even if Abraham did have to, you know, follow through yeah. on his, am I saying the right names? Yeah. Yeah. You well, give me a look like. Paul and... Uh, Romans four, yeah, that he right? hope he, against hope, even that he could bring about resurrection. Bring back from then, the yeah, I mean what? Yeah. So we, you know, you think about circum, you know, some of the worst circumstances people have, losing a child, yep. and the prayers that we have and have had as a church family, or you know, in difficult pregnancies in our own life, like you, you pray, God save this. Yes. Um, and how, what does your even F look like in those circumstances? Mm-hmm. Um. It, it is remembering that we have a God who sent his one and only son for us. Yes. It is remembering that, that God took Abraham to that moment of, mm-hmm. I mean, faith you can't imagine. And, and Abraham had, with his little seed of faith, imagined that God could even raise from the dead, something he, no one had seen done yet at that point in, from right. scripture, from what yep. we see. Yep. He imagined God's goodness on the other side. And I think we can say, I have no idea how God would work this thing I'm so afraid of happening for yeah. good, but I, I can look to these stories of scripture and hold on to those. And, and then we have so, stories in our midst of God's goodness in these exact situations in our church family. That's right. And that's why it's so important to, to testify to, you know, 
I wouldn't say it was worth it. I wouldn't say, gee, I'm so, I would have written the story the way that it is, but I can testify to God's goodness on the other side. And I want to encourage all of our brothers and sisters to do the same with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in your book, you also make the case that um, our culture, even Christian culture, doesn't do a good job with facing death. What, you mm-hmm. talk more about that? I don't, yeah. I don't think that you're actually wrong, but I'm just curious for you to tease that mm-hmm. out some. Yeah, well, you think of, um, just go to the greeting card aisle and what your options are. Um, it's all like they're in a better place. They're, are you throwing you know. shade at Dayspring? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want a job as a grading card writer. I'll say that much. It's not an easy gig to say something so concisely. Um, and, and there are platitudes that they all have some scrap of truth in them. Um, but mm-hmm. the things that are true are not always the best things to say in that moment. Um, Romans 8.28 is, can be weaponized, you know, God will work this for good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something the griever can bring up, but maybe the person coming alongside should not be the first to suggest to prescribe how God is being good in this, like Job's friends, you know, well, I see this happening here. Um, so I think we, we just really, we want tidy answers and we want to be able to say, you know, X plus Y equals Z in these circumstances. And, and we just have to sit for a while and watch. Um, yeah, it's just not, it's just not, uh, I, I think really the best thing that prepares us, I think you go through any type of suffering and you're better prepared to walk with others through any type of suffering. So it's not true that you have to have, gone through that exact thing to speak into it, but that there's a way when you experience a situation, you can't bootstrap your way out of that. You can't conjure joy on your own Mm -hmm. one morning. And you realize I just have to let Christ be strong in my weakness because I cannot do the things I want to do. I cannot feel the things I want to feel in this grief. And that experience I think protects you from going with your kind of overly simplified solutions to another griever and saying, um, it'll be okay. Or yeah. I mean, yes, they're in a better place. Um, but also I'm not with them there. Right. Mm -hmm. So that can be true. And also I can be sad at the same time. Yep. Right. Is this also just, you talked about, um, this experience of walking through death and dying, um, being a subcategory for suffering. So is, it, yeah. is this also then part and parcel just with, a what you're seeing as a, um, a lack of, uh, church culture and being able to, to walk through and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what walk through suffering. Yeah. I think, so we talk about the prosperity gospel being a problem. The idea that, you know, God is like a, a vending machine for what we want and we can, please him. And it's like this reciprocal relationship where, you know, we know kind of what the prosperity gospel is. I think the church can also fall into a health prosperity gospel, especially with kind of wellness culture where we think if we get our vitamins right and we give our kids the right things, like sickness is something that can and should be avoided. And it's like virtuous to do so. Uh, And that really gets shattered on some of our actual life circumstances. I think we forget that we live in a fallen world our bodies are inherently fallen as well. Um, And so we can do, you know, we can act wisely and steward our bodies and our resources, but there, there comes a point where we need to talk back to some of those 
uh, health and wellness kind of thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like I should not be surprised that my knees hurt in my mid thirties. You know, I should not be surprised that my kids get sick. Like statistically it should happen pretty frequently at this stage of life. And just being able to have a theological category for those things, which I think is ultimately a theology of death. Uh, sickness falls under theology of death, sure. but our bodies are affected by sin. Not, And that does not mean that I am sick today because I sinned by not washing my hands yesterday. It means that we are under a general umbrella of sin. And so because we sin generally, sickness happens generally. Sure. There's not necessarily a causal relationship. It's just more of a general state of the world. Yeah. And so because you know, let's say you're sick and I'm not, I am grieving the general state of the world with you in your sickness. And I'm not thinking, well, he probably didn't wash his hands enough. Um, you know, and that's why. You're not the disciples to with yeah. Jesus and the blind man. Right. What did your parents do? <laughs> but we want this causal relationship because we want to yeah. avoid suffering. We sure. don't see, we, we want to avoid suffering. And so we want to explain why that person's suffering is happening so that we can avoid it. Yep. Uh, and that keeps us from entering in with that person mm -hmm. that makes us unprepared for our own suffering because we're just totally set on avoiding it. And we haven't figured out kind of a, what that might look like if we can't avoid it, if we do go there. Uh, we need to be trying on God's goodness in these like really basic, like we will get sick. We will die. Mm -hmm. And everyone that we love will die if we don't beat them to it. And so these are things we should try on mentally and we spend so much energy avoiding them. We spend so much energy. I mean, I do. Like, you look at my Amazon cart. There's so many vitamins. Oh, my goodness. But, there's you know, and that's wisdom. There's nothing wrong with vitamins. But I do think it's about um, one of the things that we've talked about here is just that uh, uh, surprised by death. Yeah. But, but we shouldn't be surprised. Right. We get surprised. You know, uh, how many times have I uh, counseled through uh, with people uh, relational things and that we shouldn't be surprised by sin, not right. only our own sin, but the right. sin of others. We shouldn't be surprised by sin. We shouldn't be surprised by suffering. We actually shouldn't be surprised by these things because mm -hmm. we, we do live in a broken world. We yeah. have brokenness within us. There's brokenness from uh, without and mm -hmm. uh, there's just, but we shouldn't be surprised, but, but we are. Yeah. And that just can lead to all sorts of tailspins when we experience the things that Shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. And I think the more time we spend in scripture, the more we won't be surprised by these things because sure. these are themes. I remember, you know, reading my Bible after death and being like, has this always been in here? Like yeah, all right. this talk about death and uh, suffering, you know, yeah. I just, it just doesn't jump out at you the same until you've been through it. And, and then the real world can be really jarring when you're in that space. Um, I remember another book I read, she talked about like wishing we had worn the grieving clothes so that you could kind of be like, listen, post office person, I'm not really functioning right now. <laughs> and if maybe if I were wearing head to toe black, you would kind of, I wouldn't have to tell you why I'm crying about my credit card not working or, you know, the ways that it just sort of, you can't kind of handle life um, for a while. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, there's some cultural things we've lost and and that we can choose to put back on. Not, we don't have to wear grieving clothes, but we- We don't have to put on sackcloth and No, but we can tell a few people that we're not okay um, and that we need a little grace and- I think the biggest thing that surprised me was the shape, the form, and the length of grief. Mm. I, I didn't expect um, the, the, 
how, how grief took shape in my life and for how long, I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's still, I mean, you, you lose a loved one and mm-hmm. they're still just odd, mm-hmm. random, spontaneous grief for you know, like uh, an experience with the kids. You're like, oh, I'd love to be able to tell yeah. dad about that or mm-hmm. for him to be able to be here mm-hmm. as well, sharing this moment. Yeah. So there, there's, there's always those types of things. Uh, but I mean that like, that like year or so after, like I, that was completely shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's something that I, I feel like is, um, you talked about, it, it's hard to know how to, how to think about some of these things mm-hmm. until you walk through them. Um, I don't think yeah. I could have ever, ever really fully helped somebody because I just didn't mm-hmm. fully get what grief looks like on the other end. Yeah. I don't, you don't, it is so embodied. It's so like your whole. <laughs> It's like your body is just fighting against the things you want. You really want to function. Like I just remember wanting to really kind of get over it and do the things I wanted to do. And then the pediatrician would call and I'd have to make appointments with the kids and she'd be like, what are their birthdays? I'm like, I'm sorry, you want all three of their birthdays right now? I don't, I don't, I can't do that anymore. I can't make those numbers come out of my head right now. I can't even follow Google Maps. You know, I don't know. My brain is just not working. Like it's just this fog would settle in. And sometimes it would lift just enough for me to think that everything was fine. But you don't really associate that with grief until you're looking back. Right. And it lifts and you're like, oh, okay. I just thought I was going crazy (laughs) or something but it's so it just affects everything i mean well it's a for a while a form i don't know if you get a form it's it it, it's a it's a functional but it 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 takes on a a lot of what just general depression can look like Mm -hmm. um i I thought that's what what it was and Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. it was uh nope it was it was it was grief (laughs) circumstantial yeah will i always feel this way i think is Mm -hmm. yeah and that's what I would want to say to someone. No, you will not always feel the way that you feel right then. But I don't know how long you'll feel that way. That's um, right. And it, there is no speeding it up. I mean, I took time off work and to like get it over with, you know, just let's <laughs> get this over with. Yeah, it, yeah. Maybe if I feel it more deeply for a condensed amount of time, uh-huh. I will find the key and unlock fast grief. Yeah, how'd that go for you? No, it did not work. No. I could not hold still. I, it manifested as anxiety and I started organizing my house. <laughs> I like printed out floor, the floor plan and highlighted every drawer I had organized once I did it <laughs> because I just needed progress in some yeah. area. I could not force grief to go any more quickly and nothing was making it move. You know, I would just, it was unpredictable how it would feel that day. Right. So I just did some weird things. <laughs> I, I had some of the same type of experiences. And, and for me, it was the conclusion of, of, of trying to have control. Uh-huh. That, that felt like a, a, a bomb over the grief mm-hmm. of, because of, I, I don't have control that my dad died. Yeah. You don't have control over that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was trying to manifest control as well. Yeah. That's probably what it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have since let those drawers go. <laughs> I was, yeah, the, that's a lost cause right there to get the junk drawers organized. <laughs> that's okay. There's a reason why they're called junk drawers. Right, exactly. Um, you talk in the book about uh, the difficulty of being honest about a loved one, especially a parent who's died. Um, how do you navigate that need to honor your mom's memory while also acknowledging the ways your relationship was hard? Yeah, I remember when, you know, my mom was sick, 
all the, like a long time, you know, she was, she didn't have hair from when my daughter was born on. So she, it was, her cancer was very in our faces. Like it was something we were dealing with, but I would still be like annoyed with her a lot of times. And, and it really changed our relationship because it became about her for a lot of those years. I mean, she visited on her terms when she wanted to. And people in our home group knew when I said, my mom's visiting, please pray for me. They knew I meant like, I'm really going to struggle. Um, I'm going to have some unhealthy, you know, kind of teenager moments that come out of me <laughs> over this. And in the context, they could understand all that. And it made sense. But I just remember kind of people from the outside, like, you know, and my hairdresser would say like, your mom has cancer. Like, how could you not be nice to her all the time? Like kind of guilting me about it. And I just remember that feeling of being like, I, I know, but like both are true. I'm going to miss her. And right now she's driving me crazy. Like it's right. both are true. Mm -hmm. And the cancer kind of had a play in, you know, the intensity of our relationship when we were together and just how difficult it was for me. Um, and what, what's neat and what I wrote in the story is the way God healed some of those things near the end. Like mm -hmm. there was a time she wanted to visit um, and it just didn't work for me. My dad was visiting at the same time. And she said, okay, well, what would work for you? And I was like, what? She would never, it was like, no, I need to go. I need to come now before my next appointment. I need to see the grandkids and get my dose before I have to go do a hard cancer thing. And I would get no say in when she came. Yeah. And so it was, I mean, she was beginning to really let go of hmm. us and of hmm. control and the things she prized so much in this world as she reached for the next. Hmm. And it was kind of this spiritual healing that was beginning in her that was so, it's such God's kindness for me to sit back and say like, that happened because I wanted that so badly. And our relationship wasn't what I wanted it to be. But I know now that it will be, you know, there's a song that says, I always knew you could be like this, um, like hmm. about seeing each other in heaven okay. and your, people hmm. you love. And I look forward to, you know, th the fullness of love that my mom had that made her come and visit us all the time. Yeah. But without, um, but in a context where I could, you know, be loved and feel loved at the same time, which I felt at the end through, through the way she was able to kind of let go of us. Um, a little bit. So yeah, I am honest in the book. I, I compare her <laughs> hugs to like a boa constrictor at one uh -huh, point. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Um, you know, it was tough. It was really, there was a lot of tough years in our relationship. Uh, and, and there was good kind of healing in a lot of those at the end, but I don't want people who are in the middle of that to feel like they're, they're uh, heartless, <laughs> you know, just because somebody's sick doesn't mean that everything else is easy. It's actually could make everything really hard. Sure. Um, all the dynamics get really screwed up by general sin in the world, yep. by sickness, by bodies breaking down, um, by us wanting each other to be what we're wanting, like the comfort that we need. Yep. And, and people who deal with sickness that long, it is just really tough to be relationally and spiritually healthy for that long um, to not, kind of find your little comforts and your little things that you do to cope. Sure. I mean, I, I can't imagine doing what my mom did. So I have a lot more compassion for her now <laughs> than I did at the time. <laughs> um, I was just in the trial of young kids and she was in her own trial and it was hard, sure. you know, to get those things together. Yeah. But I just would certainly want somebody who has a difficult parent relationship to know that that can be part and parcel of this journey mm -hmm. <laughs> and that it will get worse before it gets better. Like, the the aging and dying process brings out a lot of really tough, 
tough stuff between parent and child. It's like a total role reversal and it doesn't go, it's not a smooth transition for most mm. people. Yeah. Um, okay. And ours was very sudden. I mean, some people have years of, of that switch, but it's going to be hard. Um, but it, you, in your neediness and your weakness and your, I've never done this before. God really wants to show up and, and work through you. Um, like I remember feeling compassion for my mom that I hadn't felt in years <laughs> mm. just because I just needed it just to care for her physically. Yeah. It was totally the Holy spirit through me that last week. Like I was the person who stayed in the waiting room for needles. Like I didn't do medical stuff. I did not. <laughs> I, my sister did a lot of that. I could not handle it. And so I became a new person that week because mm. I don't know. The Holy spirit was like, just be just kind of, I felt compelled to be there and to, um, I just felt care for her that I hadn't felt in a long time um, and compassion. And I sure hope somebody does, feels that for me when I'm in that state. Cause you just, you need it. You need so, you're at your absolute weakest. And to have people who love you, um, caring for you at that point is God's kindness, you know? So yeah. I hope I haven't made everybody mad by then and somebody will take care of me when I'm grumpy and, you know, at my worst, at my worst. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were selected to do the audio recording mm -hmm. of your book, which I know was a, a love-hate Yeah, right, thing. yeah. <clears throat> and you did recently, you finished the recording. Yay. Yes, yes. That's super exciting. Yes. <clears throat> what was the experience like? having to like go back through yeah. your book, reading it all over again, even aloud, which I think is a yeah. difference <clears throat> after all this time. What was that yeah. experience like? It was a, a little micro reliving <laughs> yeah. of parts of it. Um, I kept coming downstairs like, why did I write such a heavy, <laughs> intense book? I was not thinking. Why did I write sentences that didn't have places to breathe in them? I needed to breathe. <laughs> the things you don't, you know think about I was just writing it as to be a writer not yeah. as a as a audiobook reader um which is a new skill for me a lot I'm, of humility I'm, I'm just curious though like in having to read it in that way did you at all become sort of your own audience and was there anything that sort of hits you new even though yes. it's you and your words so like just, I don't know if they'll leave it in I'm still waiting on the edits but like I, I was crying through parts of it you know yeah. like this is um, I mean, I don't know how I couldn't through some of it, but yeah. they also say to, <laughs> to read to somebody like, to put a picture, you know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I tried that initially. Um, and how'd that go? I mean, the, my picture kept falling off cause my setup was so <laughs> like shoestring. <Janky. laughs> <laughs> so my picture kept falling off, but I had, you know, it helped me kind of get started and, uh, not, drone hopefully nobody i mean my, my husband likes the sound of his own voice i think he's probably the only person that i know <laughs> likes the sound of his voice and anybody who knows cole <laughs> is like yes i can i like can believe that yes sure, sure i do not like the sound of my own voice i do not like being in my head in my closet for that long so it was both you know kind of in a funny way really trying but then in a serious way it was it was intense. And I think what's also interesting, you know, so I, it's 2023, 
right? No, it was 2024. No, it was 2024. <laughs> okay, but we just had the anniversary in November of 2023, right? So she's, yeah. it's been three years yeah. since she died, since I lived some of that, which is crazy. It doesn't feel like it's been quite that long. Right. Um, so one feeling I had was relief that I'm not where I was anymore, that I'm not like yeah. in the thick of it, that I could read it without yeah. really losing it. I could sure. get through it. Um, and a feeling that this is really going to speak to like the people that are in that or that need to go there again. Um, and I'm glad I'm not there anymore, <laughs> That I'm, I'm glad I'm not in the thick of it right now. And yet, um, having built these ruts of going to those places, I go there very easily. And when I see somebody who is there, um, I have a rut of compassion for them now that I my heart goes out to them. And yeah. I can go to that sad place faster, and I can also come out of it faster than I used to. And I think that's a good habit for a Christian to have, um, to be yeah. able to go there with people Um I mean, that's what Jesus, you know, and he had compassion on them. He had compassion yep. on them. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. It was not fun or easy, right. Um, right. but I know that I'm going to get to do that a lot as this book comes out, um, enter into what other people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to need Jesus's compassion and I'm going to need to go up to that quiet mountain by myself a lot more than I, you know, am used to maybe. Yeah. Um, Cause that seems to be how he coped with, bearing other people's stuff. Um, but I want to do that. And I also know that I am even more human than he was. And I need, well, I don't know if that's theologically accurate, but you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I, also, I know what you mean. I'm not also God and I will need. He him. was totally, truly human, but he was also totally, truly exactly. divine. There yes. you go. Yes. That, yes. And I, which I am not the latter. So that, that's right. I will need um, to be dependent on him to go through that. Yeah. Bearing of other people's um, hard stories. That's right. So we'll see. He'll be good. He will be. I, I'm I'm so excited. I, I can't wait for this book to get in the hands of our people. I'm so excited for the fourth to, to be able to celebrate uh, with you, God's faithfulness mm-hmm. and bring this book about. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for you and your, your writing ability and thoughtfulness. Um, this has been a, this is a sweet book. It's it's been a, a sweet journey uh, to see it come to fruition, and uh, yeah, I'm just super excited. Yeah, well, thank you to y'all and everyone in my church family for. I mean, you're woven throughout the actual story, and um, I couldn't have done it without just the safety of having a place that I'm known and loved and can take risk of putting myself out there. Yeah, well. No risk. We we love you and love the Pipkin family. And so, yeah, so we are excited. Uh, again, uh, Sunday the 4th after the 1030 so worship yeah, gathering. So, probably. Uh, yes, about 1230 mm-hmm. uh, in the worship center. Um, there will be um, books that you can get in advance. Mm-hmm. You can even get a get it signed by the yes. author herself. Right. Uh, but, I but, need to work on that exactly. <laughs> signature. But, but, but you'll you'll be there and you get to talk about it. And I guess you you and Doug are going to do like a Q and A type of yeah. thing. Um, so it's not merely just you you no. speaking. Yeah, there you go. So so they'll they'll but there'll be there'll be that type of format. We'll get to uh, ask questions and and just 
and just celebrate. Yeah, so yeah, if you're local or if you're able to make it in, we'd sure love you to be able to uh, make that. Uh, there's information on the church website. Um, and there you can even get to the, the Facebook page for the event RSVP. and just let us know you're coming. It's not, it's not a requirement, but you can at least let us know. That'd be helpful. Um, Am I missing anything? There'll be snacks or lunch type food. Oh my goodness, I forgot yeah. food. How could and maybe I some cookies that look like the book, which I'm really excited Oh my, that's exciting. Wow. I've, I'm very excited about that. We'll, 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 we'll definitely come for the, the, the cookie uh, books, book, book cookies. cookies. Yeah. Come for the book cookies, stay for the celebration. Yeah, yeah well, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.